Welcome to the Write It Down podcast with the 1513 Network. I'm Brooke Murata, bringing you one-on-one interviews to challenge, to inspire, and to encourage. Joining us on today's episode is Orange County firefighter and former Colorado State University defensive lineman, Steve Michael. Alongside is his former high school teacher, mentor, and second mom, Catherine Kewen. Steve grew up in a single mother household in a poor and dangerous neighborhood in the shadows of the Orange County Jail. Steve found himself dealing drugs on the streets of Timberscan to earn extra income to feed himself and his siblings. It was at Jones High School where he met Mama Kewen, his freshman math teacher. She immediately saw something different in Steve. Through a series of events, Steve escaped the streets of Orlando and went and played football at CSU. A story of life change, hope, and mentorship, I am sure you will be impacted by the life of Steve Michael. Sit back, relax, and get your pens ready because this is Write It Down. Welcome back to the Write It Down podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Murata, sitting across from Orlando natives, Steve Michael, and his mentor slash second mom, Catherine Kewen. Thank you guys for driving all this way over here and joining us on Write It Down. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So, Steve-O, growing up in the shadow of Orange County's prison, what was life like growing up as a kid? So, where do I start? <laughs> Tell me <laughs> but, about um, the streets. The, the streets of Texas Avenue, Rio Grande was rough. A lot of poverty, a lot of violence, gang violence, drugs. Um, the mentality of trying to make it out any way possible, but doing the right thing. And um, it just it, it was tough, man. You got kids; they they was they pick up a gun before they even learn how to read. You got kids that uh, they don't have a role model. The streets are their role model. They learn from the streets. Um, their parents working, you know, low budgeting jobs to try to support them. If that in my neighborhood, um, a lot of people live rent free because of the fact that. The landlords is getting robbed every time they come to pick up the check. It's not how it is now where, you know, cash app it or send it through mm-hmm. this, send it through Venmo Secure, yeah. or whatever. Back then, people come pick up their money and the landlords, they'll get robbed. Um, ice cream trucks and stuff never came by because they'll get robbed. After a certain time, Pizza Hut wouldn't stop by anything because they'll get robbed. Um, it was so bad that I never allowed my friends to come over. Mm. And sometimes they already knew how rough the area was. And they were like, we'll stay out here and wait for you to come back. So that's kind of the narrative. That's the picture I could paint for you to show you yeah. how, how and rough so, it was. So growing up, you grew up with a single mother. And mm-hmm. you had seven siblings? I had seven siblings, yep. Um, single parent mother, Haitian woman from Haiti. My mom came here on a boat. Um, she She worked. When she was able to work at the time, she worked on the hotels. Um, and, and I look at uh, kind of like the background of Haiti. I call Timiskin like the modern day Haiti because there's a lot of Haitian mm-hmm. parents that live there. And if you look at Timiskin and if I was able to show you a picture, a visual, mm-hmm. it's kind of like third world country. So it kind of lets you, it shows you where a person that come from Haiti would be comfortable coming here. Yes, it's better than Haiti. Don't get it, don't get it twisted. We're not in close, but it share a lot of similarities. Yeah. So um, I can see where that's was maybe her comfortable spot or mm-hmm. 
you know. Yeah, it's familiar. Yeah, it, it's better than Haiti. That's all she mm-hmm. know. Yeah. And it, of course, it's uh, places and area that's better than Timbuktu. But you know, who want to get out their comfort zone if you're comfortable there? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I start to realize. I mean, I was talking to my girlfriend. I was like, um, when you when you comfortable, you don't see it. You know, because mm-hmm. um, I look back at pictures and videos that I had for a while, and me getting my new home and looking at my old home. I didn't realize what I was going through. I didn't because that was my norm. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm in my house and I'm living better, I'm like, man, how did I survive that? Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and you were the oldest son. Oldest son. Yep. Third oldest of all the, mm-hmm. the kids. Yeah. Um, and so what was what was your life like not growing up with a father? Not growing up with a father, man, it. it it, it hurted me for a while because my father committed suicide when I was like four years old. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why or uh, what was the reason, but um, he committed suicide. And um, the things that a son would do with his father, I missed out. With, I missed out on that, and I never be able to experience that. Um, when I see uh, certain people hanging out with their fathers and stuff, and mm-hmm. the stuff that I wanted when I had a father, I'm getting a little emotional. Uh, mm-hmm. I kind of. Uh, Missed out on that. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and so, uh, was there times when you were in the streets where you felt like some of the men in the streets kind of took on that role for you? Like they almost preyed on you being younger and just. Yeah, uh, I was telling my girl like a guy named um, Low. He was the biggest dope dealer on the block, and um, mm-hmm. he was making money and supporting his family and stuff like that. And that's the guy we looked up to. Every mm-hmm. last one of us. He's a good dude. Um, he didn't mean no harm or anything. He just was just what they call trying to give us jewels on mm-hmm. how to survive. And mm-hmm. he was surviving off of what he knew how to survive. Was it Whether it was the right way or the wrong way, it just it is what it is. And we can go up to him and be like, hey, the ice cream truck here load. He's like, all right, get everybody in the neighborhood um, mm-hmm. ice cream and candy and stuff. Like and the that provider. Age, at that yeah. age, he's like, man, that's kind of cool. So, uh and the other guys on the block as well, they was very respectful. Nothing, I mean, not trying to get us to do anything um, to get us in trouble. Obviously selling drugs and doing stuff like that, but not like, hey, go do this and we'll give you money for that. Not that type of thing. So um, everybody in there is like dropping, it's like dropping cheese in a basket full of rats. Mm. Everybody trying to get it any mm-hmm. way possible. And when you look at those type of conditions, it's like, you know, being successful take time. And at, when you're 14, 15, 13, 10 years old or whatever it may have you, being young, you don't have that, you don't have that good dis- decision-making skills. If it look like, if it's making money, it look good to me, you know, and um, if I'm missing meals and I can change that right now selling drugs, why not? Why not? You yeah. know, if I can't get the proper clothes, if I don't have the proper clothes to go to school because I'm, I'm 14 years old I want to be nice just like the next kid I don't want to get picked on right I don't want to look out of place or look like I don't have it so I'm mm-hmm. gonna go do the same thing to try to get it um, yeah so that's that that was that kind of growing up mm-hmm. and so when you when you start when you were in school and you had your friends there and you mentioned before you were you didn't want them at your home you didn't want to bring them you mm-hmm. know to your block so when you went to school, did you feel like you had to be a different person than the kid that was on the streets? No, nah, not really, because I was a quiet kid. Not, I, I mean, I got in trouble a lot, but not necessarily off of being disrespectful. It's mainly coming home, going to school, and not really, kind of being rebellious a little right. bit. Not kind of in the sense of I'm just terrorizing the school and I'm upset, whatever, right, not like right. that. But 
No, I never had. I was a quiet kid. Um, I kept things to myself. I didn't let people in much. Um, but I, I was like kind of like the cool Haitian kid. <laughs> Back then, being being Haitian wasn't wasn't cool in my area. That we get we got picked on a lot. But I was one of the Haitian kids that didn't get picked on because I played sports and um, kind of playing sports kind of hides you for certain things. If you're good. You know, everybody want to be around you and stuff like that. But I, I, I didn't have that problem. Mm-mm. And when did football kind of play its role in your life? Were you in high school and then you you discovered this talent? Or was it like you were pretty active on the weekends with your friends playing football? So, like, I mean, I got it from in Timberskin, actually. Mm-hmm. We're in there just playing. Um, the buildings got knocked down as it is now. And we had a big old field. We'll play what you call any man. You throw a ball up, any man grab it. And... Everybody tried to tackle that person. So I'm in there playing, and then a coach saw us playing, and I ended up having the ball in my hand, running the ball. And the coach was like, um, Coach Jamie from um, it's a it's a it's a, a Pop Warner team, mm-hmm. a city league team down in the Paramore area. Okay. They'll come pick us all up to go to practice. And he's like, What you think about playing for the Raiders? I'm like, All right. <laughs> and then uh, he came and picked me up, and since then, on the on the times that that started to become my safe haven of getting away from Timiskan a little bit and putting all my worries and stuff to the side to just go play football, something that I was good at, something that um, was able to keep me out of trouble. It was allowing me to be a role, role model where I was at being young because I was good. Mm-hmm. A lot of people respect me because mm-hmm. I was good as well. And um, that's, that's when it started and it just kicked off from there. Part one, I was about 12 years old. At the time in Timberscan, and he just came like, "Hey, you good? You look good. I like how you play. You want to come over and play?" I'm like, "Yeah, but." And then he started giving me uh, pieces of paper to get signed and saying, "I need this amount of money, whatever." Mm. And I'm like, so "I won't be playing for you then." <laughs> yeah. Because we, my mom wasn't able to afford it. And then he was like, "Don't worry about anything. Just come and play." Wow. And I'm like, "All right, that's cool wow. with me." Do you so, still have a relationship with that coach? Uh, no, not really. I see him on Facebook here and there, yeah. but. Nah, not really. Yeah. He, but we still, he still tell me. I remember that when I came to Timberskin and I just saw you playing. And I told you, let's go. And he still remember that. But not nah, relationship. Nah, not really. And so when it came to like football games and stuff, was your mom able to come? Were your siblings able nah, to come? Um, my mom maybe came to maybe three of my high school games, maybe and um, college. I don't think she went to any of my college games. Mm-mm. So, and then fast forward to your time at Jones High School, um, you meet the lovely cat over here. <laughs> you're, you're, I want to bring her in on this. Um, but what was that like being at Jones High School? It's, it's pretty like rough. Mm-hmm. What I hear. Um, what was that whole scene? Set so that scene up for me. The alternative bail schedule deal was when I got in trouble. <laughs> I can't remember if I got in trouble with Mama Kewen or I got in trouble no. with this teacher named uh, Miss Gladio. Which was, I got in trouble by somebody. <laughs> okay, we don't me. know who to blame. And I can't remember exactly. I know <laughs> they wrote me up on a referral. And I was being disrespectful. It I can. I would tell. Okay. <laughs> she, for I the record, take, it was not. Her. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can put the blame on me. I was being disrespectful. Okay. Not wanting to do my work. Whatever. <laughs> right. Right. Happened. It happens. Yeah. And. They wrote me a referral, uh-huh. and I already had enough strikes to where it's like, okay, you're going to 
<laughs> alternative bail schedule, which is you go to school after school. Mm-hmm. So when you don't every, get to wake up and go to school no, like the rest of the kids. You get everybody get out at two thirty. You come in at two thirty. Right. How many people maybe are in five or something? I can't remember. How many people? How many people you think? That was in there yeah. at that time? Yeah. Uh, maybe like 12. That classroom was full that time okay. when she came on my birthday to <laughs> get was. me. It was. It was like, I mean, it was like a party class. in there. Yeah. <laughs> Did you like it? Were you like, I don't want to go back to normal school? Uh, no, nah, not really. I wanted to go back to normal right. school because yeah. all my friends and, mm-hmm. you know, the school schedule. Okay. I didn't want to go to school at in the afternoon time i want to be getting off in the afternoon yeah and time. hang with your friends and i miss practice Less and a whole practice. bunch of stuff yeah That's so real, i'm like yeah. nah yeah. i can't do this <laughs> yeah yeah so okay and then so cat what what did you see in him that was so different and special that made you want to take him under your wing i mean obviously he's a special man um i i don't know how to explain it and i've said this time and time again but i had steve-o for ninth grade intensive math and he sat in the like the seat that was closest to my desk. So back then, back in the day, it was before all the technology. I was still teaching from like the overhead projector. Oh, yeah. <laughs> before it. smart boards and all that good stuff. But his his smile is just infectious and his spirit shines through him and his smile. Um, that's the best way to describe it. And just I saw this light in him. Mm. Um, and he was hanging out with a crowd of, of boys. And like he said earlier in the podcast, he was never malicious or, you know, destructive, anything like that. I yeah. mean, the things he was getting in trouble with, with other teachers was just typical, in my opinion, typical high school stuff. Yeah. Laughing, disrupting class. I mean, he laughs at everything. It doesn't <laughs> take much <laughs> to make him laugh. So uh. if he gets around a crowd of people and they're always making him laugh, of course, like, and you're going to hear him laugh. And Yeah. Um, but some of the boys he was hanging out with at the time were not good influences. Um, and I could just tell he was different. Like, you don't belong with this this crew and really he he hung out with everyone in high school like he said yeah. he was friends with everyone admired and respected by everyone um but this little clique he was hanging with i'm not going to call names um he just didn't belong with them and i saw i saw something more in him um and it just kind of i don't know how to explain it what do you think steve yeah, I mean, I kind of. Uh, she's right. I sat, I always sat to the in the desk that was closer to her as well. Um, every now and then, I'd be rebellion and doing work. This is just one of them days I come from not. I come from not eating or mm-hmm. having a bad day, yeah. bad night, been up all night, whatever may have you know. I just don't feel like doing work. Yeah. And she'd be like, "You gonna do work today?" I'm like, "Nah, not today." And it's like, "You got to." And yeah. Stuff like that, and um, going back to the alternative bail schedule, she just came down and gave me a gift for my birthday. Never in my life have I received a gift for my birthday. And wow. I'm like, it's like, hey, Steve, uh, I can't remember who was the teacher at the time in the ABS. But anyways, he's like, Steve, Miss Kim wants you outside. I'm like, okay. I walked outside. <laughs> she said, happy birthday, and gave me a gift. And I'm like, wow. how do I receive this? Yeah. <laughs> but I took the gift anyway. Then she came, we started telling me, um, you know, if I need help with anything, she'll help me. You're a smart kid. 
You're not mm. the person that some of these teachers say that you are. And wow. you're not the person that your friends are. You're different mm. and just stuff like that. And I never really heard that growing up. And I'm like, hmm, okay. And it's just like, I know you don't have the grades right now. I had like a 1.8, got kicked off the football team and everything. And she's like, if you need help at all, you know, I help you and stuff like that. And I never had that at home. Yeah. My mom never helped me with schoolwork. It's not because she didn't want to, it's because she couldn't. Yeah. She didn't know English. She didn't speak English very well either. She wow. came from Haiti. Mm-hmm. All she know is work mm. to try to make ends meet. She didn't have that that supportive side of education. Yeah. So you tell a 10-year-old, 15-year-old, whatever age I was at the time, hey, nobody tell you to do your homework. Are you going to go do your homework? Mm-hmm. If I don't tell my daughter not to do her homework, <laughs> she's not going to do her homework. <laughs> yeah, no. You know, so yeah. um, all my mom knew was just go to school and hopefully the school can take over the education side or whatever. But um, I, right out when I got out of ABS, I'm like, I'm trying to get my grades up. I need to play football because I was going straight home. <laughs> yeah. I was getting in trouble and hanging around with the bad crowds and stuff like that. And then I ended up starting selling drugs a little bit mm-hmm. here and there. I, it just wasn't well. So I was like, you know what? If she says she's going to help me, I'm going to go find out, whatever. So every day after school here and there, mm-hmm. she'll stay, help me with my homework. Wow. Um, uh, if if I needed help, write. I wasn't a good writer at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just but, but um messing up with my words and all it's things that I should have known that I was catching up in high school with mm-hmm. and it it was bad it was, it wasn't good at all it's kind of <laughs> it was embarrassing yeah so when you so when you were like go back to the streets and you started selling drugs did you get a little bit of like maybe backlash from people that were like man you're doing like when you started doing well in school and you started paying more attention to your grades and playing football, did people in the street start calling you soft or, you know, no, like any nah, of that? No, nah, I didn't get in any of that. Honestly, I dropped it on my own. Yeah. When I started realizing where I can go and yeah. where I was heading um, and having Mama Q on my side and stuff, it's just one day what, what made me stop was I can give you the quick story mm-hmm. on it Please. i was on i was sitting on a green tank you know the green tanks in neighborhood yeah. that um it kind of make noise like mm-hmm. yeah yeah so yep. i was sitting on that timmy scan had several of them and it was in the front of the neighborhood and it's a lot of what you call uh they come it's cars that come that look like um uh, it looked normal but it's a police car kind of okay. like okay. Under, undercover cover they go yeah. undercover so I'm like, man, that look, that look, we call them the do boys. I'm like, I like the do boys, man. <laughs> and what I used to do is I have my stash yeah. sitting in a Dorito bag. So you 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 don't really don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And then they all all cars always pull into the driveway. And that's how you know, okay, that's a serve. That's what we call them. Okay. So uh I'm like, you know what? All right. And my my homie was like, all right, Steve, what was your serve? Cause we'll switch, we'll alternate to make it fair. Yeah, and I'm like, nah, I'm not serving that dude. It, that's an undercover cop. It gotta be. Mm-hmm. So he ended up trying to make the serve, and he, he, right when he was about to make the serve, they got out and slammed him, and took him to jail. And I was like, I'm done. Yeah, like this isn't for <laughs> I me. I was like, nah, this is not for me. Wow. And I was the only one on the block that played sports. Yeah, they looked so up to escape. me and stuff. And I was like, you know what, I'm done. Yeah. And so I started leaning towards the people that 
like Mama Q and stuff that had a good, the best interest for me and stuff that saw things in me that I didn't see in myself. And um, that I just went that route. I'm like, I'm done. We're going to take a quick break from our show to discuss Patreon. Patreon is a secure site that allows creators to make albums, videos, and podcasts like the one you're listening to now. So if you enjoy Write It Down, please head over to our website, xvxiii.com or spell out 1513.com in your browser. Click on the Patreon banner at the top of the page and show your support. Write It Down is made possible by the 1513 Network, so please send over your love, your support for the other shows as well. If not, just stick with Write It Down because I'm the coolest, the realest, the illest. Anyways, back to the show. So, so Mama Kewen <laughs> enters the scene, gives you a gift, which, again, you don't really know how to receive a gift mm-hmm. because you haven't been given them. Right. Um, and then she speaks over you basically speaks life over you that Mm -hmm. you have what it takes that you can be different and so what do you think that how do you think that would translate to today and how people view themselves but having someone come alongside of them like mentorship I know that's really important Mm -hmm. to you so kind of segueing into that what would you say we need more of we need because everything I get emotional and my girl will tell you I get very passionate about when people just talk about things and they're not backing it up. You can mm-hmm. talk about how bad this kid is. You can talk about how the youth is not doing well, but what are you doing to pour into that? Right. You know, you can, because I, I was at dinner yesterday on a brunch, and I'm like, we can talk about things. We got to go out there and do it because I was that kid before I know what it feels like. A lot of these people that just talk, they wasn't that kid. So I'm like, if we're going to pour into kids, we got to go out there and talk to them. You got to deal with them whether the circumstance is going to be positive or the circumstance is going to be negative. You can't pick and choose how you want to come at a kid or maybe this kid look like he's the golden kid. So I'm going to go ahead and pull him out. That's mm-hmm. not how it works. You mm-hmm. got to speak life into them. Even when you speak to them, they might not get it now. Right. The The end result might not happen as early as you want it to happen, but you got to just keep going at it. When when did you, when did her words resonate with you? I'm sure they didn't the first day, but when were you like, Mm -hmm. man, she saw something I didn't see? Uh, I think when I got into AVID, which is a program that allow you to, that prepare you better for college. Okay. And I started seeing my grades go up and I'm in these classes that I'm, I'm barely, I barely can read, read and write, write well. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm in these classes, like what I'm doing in here. And she made me feel like I was just like the kids that was in there. And maybe I wasn't, but she psyched me up to be like, to make (laughs) me think that I was. And that's the things that you got to do. You got to see something in these kids more than they see in themselves. Yeah, they might not think they're as smart as the next next kid, but maybe, you know, get around them and push them a little bit to get them there. And that's when I started noticing I couldn't, I didn't never pass the FCAT a day of my life. My Mm -hmm. senior year, I signed up. Uh, scholarship to go to Colorado State University, not even passing the FCAT. And I'm like, man, wow. I've been in Avid. I've been in all these college prep courses. My last time in high school to take the FCAT where it wouldn't count it. If I failed it, I couldn't take it again. And I ended up passing. And wow. that's why everything that I just hear in my mouth, I can hear in my mind just saying, mm-hmm. keep going. You got to keep studying. You know, just stay on your stuff. It's gonna come. It might not happen now, and that and that's when I started noticing. Like, you know what? It, it'll happen. You just yeah. gotta keep at it. 
So you got a scholarship to go to Colorado State University. Mm -hmm. Were you expecting that? What was that journey like of transitioning into college? And it's far away. I mean, it's not down the street. Like, so what was that like? I didn't I didn't expect it at all because I didn't even know what was the next step after high school. Where I'm from, you get your diploma and that's your lottery ticket. Yeah. But as obviously as life goes on. Now you probably need a bachelor's. Now I'm a master's. How it is now? Yeah, yeah. But I'm like college. What is college? And then she put me in Ave, and I started noticing what college was. I didn't have college coaches uh, coaches come up to me until I was like in my junior year in high school. Yeah. And I start realizing like, man, they coming up to me. I can really go to college and do things. Then I start talking to Mama Q. And what is college? What's the benefits? If I leave, what happened? Do I have to pay? This stuff that I don't even know because mm-hmm. yeah. they're not speaking. They, My mom wasn't speaking that at home because she never been. Yeah. You know? And she's like, you get a full ride. You don't have to pay for anything. And even if you don't get a full ride, you can get an academic scholarships. There's a lot of grants. Yeah. Um, you can write letters. We will find you a way. And Jones was real big on trying to get kids into college. And we had a lot of people come back and give money yeah um like a hundred black men and stuff like that mm-hmm. to help kids um from the inner city get into school then once i figure like a coach was like uh, the colorado state coach came in and he's like what do you think about going to colorado state i'm like where is that <laughs> <laughs> i've never been outside of i've never been outside this 2.5 radius yeah, here what yeah. is that Wow. And he was like, he started showing me pictures of mountains, snow. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> wow. And I was like, how far is this place? <laughs> Man. And so did you, so they did they fly you out? Did you fly so, out there? And So they end up saying, okay, how about this? We'll get you on a visit and we'll have you come check it out. I was like, how much does it cost for the visit? <laughs> and they're like, no, nah, you don't have to pay anything. I'm like, okay. So at the time, I was living with the Edwards family. One of the guys on my on the team called his name is Lex Edwards. He went home to his mom. One day we had a quick story. We went we had a quick uh kind of like every Friday mm-hmm. go to his house and have like a little party. Yeah. Get together before the game. Yeah. And then he went to his mom and was like, My, do you mind if Steve O come live with us? Mm-hmm. And she was like, Steve O come live with us. And then um she started he started explaining wow. my story to his mom. And they came and picked me up from home one time. And they was like, you know what? I don't mind just because you came home and vouched for him. You never did this before. We'll take him in. So now the college coach went to their home because I was standing there at the time. Wow. Talked to his dad and mom. What do you think about us taking Steve on a uh, visit to Colorado State and all that stuff? So they was like, all right, cool. Got there. It was cold. It was <laughs> oh, snowing. Yeah. It was a complete culture shock. And in my mind, I'm like, I ain't going to this school because I'm comfortable being yeah, in the inner goes city. Back to that I'm comfortable being in yeah. the hood. I'm, and the co- the head coach saw, sat me down, just how we are now. I was like, mm-hmm. what you think? I was like, I'm not coming here. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, why not? And I was like, I'm too far away from home. I'm going to miss my family. I know my mom would never come out here. And it's just yeah. a complete culture shock. It's cold and yeah. just everything that that will make me a better person, I was kind of being rebellious to yeah. at the time. And then I got home, talked to Lex's dad, and we had a conversation around saying, um, I mean, it's either you're going to stay here and be in Timberskin or you're going to go to college. And 
make a better life for yourself. Talk to Mama Cumin about it. I'm like, man, this place is far. Yeah. <laughs> like, who, I, I don't like know. who's going to come visit me? I don't me. know anybody yeah. out yeah. here. But I ended up taking a scholarship, man. It's probably the best thing I ever did. Wow. Yeah. And Mama Cumin, what was your what was your view on this through that whole thing? Like, were you just trying not to sway him or were you pushing him? Oh, like, no. I was pushing oh, him. Oh, she said, <laughs> yeah. she said, you ain't coming back home. Right. Yeah. Wow. You signing this scholarship. Right. And you need those type of people that <laughs> is not, that's just going to tell you this is what you're doing and that's what it is. Because she's been there before. I've never been there before. You know? Yeah. Uh, my my two little girls, that's how I am with them. I'm like, this, this, this is a dictatorship because I've been there before. <laughs> yeah. And that's how she was. Like, look, this is what we doing, and you're behind going to college. You're not staying here. <laughs> right. Because one, she's seen where I came from, yeah. and one, she know what going to college is like. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Powerful. Yeah. Powerful cat. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you played at Colorado State, what was that like being on the field, like the roar of the crowd? Like, Was that just something unreal to you? Yeah, it was, it was awesome, man. It's just the atmosphere and just people. That's when I started understanding the role of being a a role model mm. an influencer and things like that these kids that don't even know you from adam and eve mm-hmm. just think that you just almighty and whatever you say they're gonna go do like if i'm like you gotta practice 30 times a day <laughs> these mm-hmm. kids text me on instagram oh i did it 30 times today and i'm like, like wow i wouldn't have <laughs> man i got a nice and yeah. i start realizing the, the type of platform that i yeah. got because mama q always told me Man, you are a role model. People look up to you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Ain't nobody looking up to me. In high school, she told me that all the time. People follow you. You just don't notice. People come in my class, and they just sit there and talk about you all day. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And when I got to college and I got in that atmosphere, I was a good player. I was okay. And um, the guys respect me off my work ethic and things like that. And I started realizing, like, man, you know, I got a platform. Let me use my platform to reach where I come from because I'm the first person in my neighborhood to ever make it out. I don't know, besides the guy that came behind me, Wilkerson Murder, I don't know anybody from my neighborhood that made it out. Yeah. Because I got homies that's doing life. I got homies that's doing 30 years, homies that's dead, and just homies that's just still doing the same old thing of when I left when I left to go to college, came back. Now I'm, what, five years out, and they're still doing the same thing. Wow. So. Wow. And so the area that you grew up in, are people – allowed to live there now like what's that so it's funny that you say that last shift we ran a call there mm-hmm. and um the two guys riding backwards i was the uh, ride-up engineer the two guys riding backwards they're like man i hear a lot about timberskin i want to go in this place and we had a call in there so it worked out perfect no yeah. we didn't have a call we were checking hydrants uh-huh. and uh, when we pulled in it was a sign that says do not break down where we live because this is our home or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Went in there. Everybody in the front is still living there, but in the back is like, wow. it's like a, it's like an area where you just throw your trash. Mm-hmm. It's like a dump. Um, it, the buildings are knocked down. And me getting a home now, when I was driving the truck, I was talking to them. I'm like, you know what's so crazy? Every 10 years, you're supposed to get your roof checked and th- stuff like that. And I learned that as I got my home. Yeah. I'm like, man, I know they're not doing that over here. <laughs> yeah. And um, But people still live there. Yeah. It's, wow. And I'm talking about in conditions with mold, because we run, we run cars in there, mold. Mm-hmm. The wood is just all eating up. Roof caving in. Mm. Um, trash is everywhere. And... I guarantee they're living in there for free. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so kind of like a, a snapshot of where you're at right now, because you, you mentioned returning a call. And just for the listeners out there, after college, you moved on to become a firefighter. Mm-hmm. What was that like? And also, why why did you want to be a firefighter? So um, going back to Jones High School, that's where everything kind of pieced together. Yeah. Um, I got into the IMPACT program. IMPACT program was for the at-risk youth kids at the time that get in trouble but need a little help or whatever. And um, they gave me a sheet of paper that said, what you want to be when you when you get out of college? Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to the NFL. Well, out of high school. <laughs> Obviously. I'm like, yeah, I'm going yeah. to the NFL. Yeah. Just yeah. like anybody else tell yeah. you, nah, you need a plan B. And I was like, I don't know. Uh-huh. I guess be a fireman or something. I, mean, I just said it. Yeah. And they end up linking me with a guy named Arthur Battles. Came okay. from Jones High School. Worked, worked for the city of Orlando. He's retired now. Mm-hmm. He's from the Washington Shores area. And he's also an African-American male as well. Mm-hmm. So he came along and he started telling me about the fire service. I'm like, dude, I'm going to the NFL. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and we just, and he's like, how about this? Let me come pick you up this weekend. I want to take you to a fire station. <laughs> Never been to one. Okay. He took me to station one downtown. I fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. The atmosphere. Yeah. Being around the guys. The station is like your locker room. The yeah. camaraderie the brotherhood, just like playing sports. Mm-hmm. And I told the guys there, hey, look, if I don't make it to the NFL, this is what I'm going to do. So fast forward going to college, I had my pro day. Um, I had a chance to get picked up, but it didn't work out in my favor. They talked about CFL arena, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I was away from my daughter at the time, and yeah. I was like, you know what? Nah. Came back home, and I kind of was in a, a – kind of depressed a little bit yeah, because I had yeah. I had Mama Kewan telling me go to college get a college degree life gonna be it's gonna be better came back home I was in Timiskan again because yeah. that's where I live that's yeah. where my mom resigned that's where the seven mm-hmm. my seven siblings and we added more siblings my my two nephews and my niece and my daughter wow in the same house and I'm like and I'm the one I feel like I let my family down because they're depending on me to go to NFL. And my goal was when I got to NFL, I'm going to get my mom a house that she don't have to worry about. And all my family could live there. Yeah. That was my dream. Yeah. And it didn't work out that way. And then everybody in the neighborhood, hey, what happened to the NFL? What was going on? I'm like, in my mind, I know it's not working out. But I'm like, you know, it takes time, you know, waiting, waiting for a call, waiting for this, waiting for that. And I felt like in my mind, I was the same as the next person that didn't go to college. Because we're in the same spot. Yeah. <laughs> we still mm-hmm. sitting on the same block, the same chair. The only difference between me and you, I got a college degree and you don't. Right. So right. I ended up just hitting up Mr. Battles like, man, how do you get in the fire service? He gave me all the information. I followed it step by step with the Orange County Non-Cert Program, which is a program that pays for you to become a fireman, mm-hmm. pays for you to go to EMT school, pays for you to go to fire school and once you get done they automatically hire you okay so um i want to give a big shout out to them for show orange county fire rescue thank you but um and once i got into that program that's how i became a fireman i'm like man this is awesome wow this is the best thing that could have happened to me because um who to say that i felt like because i'm very spiritual as well that Mm -hmm. they got enough of steve-o's in the nfl to inspire Mm. Mm. All the kids from my neighborhood is only two things they know they can do for sure. They can sell drugs or play sports. That's the only two things that they know. And me being able to come back home and be a firefighter shows them that there's more than one way out. It's yeah. just selling drugs and 
playing sports because that's that's just the mindset. That's why I play sports because everybody in my neighborhood did it. That's why I sell drugs because everybody in my neighborhood did it. Mm -hmm. So now it's so inspiring when when these kids go in my inbox and like how you how you become a firefighter because wow. I start real, realizing that I'm of influence. People look up to me. Whatever I do, I could be a cop to this day right now. Somebody's gonna hit me up because. That's just the, the kind of light that I have. And yeah. I start to realize that now I use my platform that there's multiple ways out. It's not only one way you can do it. Right. And the people think that these kids think that you have to be big time to get you a house. And I'm like, no, you don't. You got you to be big time to get you a car. You can work in these everyday professions and live live okay and yeah, do well for you and your family. And that's why I, I, I try to. Uh, coach them. I don't coach them away from not playing sports because if you right. got the talent, you got the talent. Right. But you got to realize that you got to have other plans that if it don't work out, because I got guys I play with, they trying to figure out life right now still to this day because they got the mindset of if I didn't make it to the NFL, my yeah. life is over. Yeah. And, you know, that's the kind of that's the kind of like, you know, that's what come with playing sports of not making it. It hurts. Yeah. You know? And, and I, that's a very special perspective that you have of like the NFL has plenty of Stevos, mm -hmm. you know, but do your old streets have plenty of Stevos, right. you know? And so looking at life through the lens of the fact that like your identity was not wrapped up in making it into the NFL. Right. Of course it hurt. It, I mean, it always hurts. Mm -hmm. The letdown of like thinking your life is going to be one way and it turned out to be another. There's mm -hmm. always that valley that you're just like, what the heck? I did everything right. right, right. Like, you know, yeah. I prayed about this. Yeah. I felt like doors open. And then it, when it slams in your face, you're like, oh my gosh, like what next? Right. And so I think what's so, not only is your story just beautiful, but what's so great about it is you've recognized your your talents and your gifts outside of football right, right. and you're able to translate that and and being a fireman and right. these people look up to you um what was it kind of like and you you briefly mentioned it but like going back to your old neighborhood and returning that call did you feel emotional like would you were you feel like overwhelmed with a sense of emotion yeah it's it was full circle for sure because when i came out of orientation mm -hmm. um they gave us a slip and said what station do you want to work and the first station I visit Orange County-wise was Station 50, which is in my neighborhood. Wow. I just put Station 50, 51, and 42. 51 is on Oak Ridge, which is still in the same area. Right. We still will run into where I'm from. 42 is more of the Pine Hills area. Um, and they end up giving me 50. The kind of the recruiters there yeah. realize, like, oh, you from 50 area? And most people don't want to go there because you run all night. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's where I want to go. I end up getting it. So... My my first shift there was nine eleven during the hurricane. Wow. And we ran forty calls, but no calls inside Timberskin that day. So okay, I go to to work the next shift, nine thirteen, because you got two days off. Mm -hmm. Um we end up getting a house fire there. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, Timberskin and Chatty Book Court. I'm like, wait, <laughs> we going into that. where I'm yeah, from, exactly yeah. where I'm from. And um we this is my first fire. I'm the we wasn't three man it was a three man engine at the time so I'm backwards by myself as the new guy I don't even know <laughs> what I'm doing yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is my this is my first house fire yeah but anyways you know other units came on scene and I had guys showing me you know what to do and after it all the guys mind you only been on two shifts and they like hey, you from Timiskan right you from Timiskan I'm like yeah and I'm like man 
what a coincidence mm-hmm. that my first house fire is exactly where I'm from. And I just felt like, man, I was just putting water on. Like, my old ways was where I come from was just burning up, and I was just putting water on my new light that I was going into. Wow. You know, that's what it felt like. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. This is what you really call serving where you're from. I know it's guys that do it, but I felt like this was the the epitome of it, like, literally, you know, going to where you're from and, you know, serving. And I would and it felt well. It felt good. And I had to just sit back and take it in. It was it was cool. So. Wow, wow. And so Mama Kewen, mm-hmm. where are you in all of this as he's becoming a fireman? You guys continue a relationship. I mean, he calls you mom. You are <laughs> his second mom. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you play a special role in his life. So what is it like just growing alongside of him as he continues this journey? It's just been such a blessing to me. And I've always told people that... <laughs> Stevo has taught me more than I could have ever taught him in my little math classroom and through Avid and all of our experiences and talks together. Um, he continues to teach me um, just the way he lives his life and his determination and discipline are unparalleled. There's there's just mm-hmm. no, no comparison and um, he's never met an obstacle that he can't overcome. Um, that's one one of the many things I admire about him, but it's just been such a blessing to have him as my son mm. and part of my family. And um, now with his family, um, it's just, I mean, he's part of us. He's yeah. Stevo, you know, he's, he's, <laughs> he's Stevo. Yeah, he's part of the family. And it's just been such a blessing to see how um, all of his hard work has just um, paid off for him. I mm. mean, he hasn't even brought up the fact that he recently passed his EMT test. Paramedic. Paramedic, wow. excuse me. Wow. Yes. But yeah. this is a kid who had extreme test anxiety, who was not, uh, he could read, but was not good at reading comprehension, lacked that confidence. Mm. Um, you know, this kid I saw in my classroom, and fast forward to however many years, 10, 12 years later, and he had, what, six-month period where mm-hmm. all you did was work? work out and study. Mm -hmm. And I mean, literally, that's all he did. Wow. And um, he sat for the test and (laughs) tell him what you did. Yeah. And I ended up passing the first time. uh, I never passed a big state test the first time. So it was a big deal. Um, I studied my behind off. My girl (laughs) was there. And the majority of the time when you get done taking that state test, you don't feel like you did well. And I'm like, man. And I, my... (laughs) My crazy behind, I took it on a Friday, so I'm stressing <laughs> on a Saturday and a Sunday, and I'm telling my girl, like, there's no way I passed this test. Yeah. It, it, it is no way that I passed this test. But when I started playing, you know, questions back a little bit, and I'm like, what made me more confident that I knew I passed the test was I was laying in the bed, <laughs> and um, a commercial came on. It was like, uh, if you... Um, if you're experiencing angioedema, which is swelling of the tongue, <laughs> the face, or whatever, taking lisinopril, which is an ACE inhibitor, mm-hmm. um, call your doctor. And I had a question that asked me on the test. It said, what causes, what may, an ACE inhibitor will cause what? Mm-hmm. And I chose angioedema. <laughs> and I told my girl, I said, I just was in the bed, and I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> And she was like, what's wrong? She called me crazy, man. Sometimes. What's wrong with you, crazy, man? And I was like, um, 
and I explained it to her. She was like, I, I know I passed that test. Woke up Monday morning, it came through, and I passed, wow. man. And I instantly, when I, when I come from a, a rough situation mm-hmm. and the reward oh, yeah. comes out, I always post it just to show yeah. people, you know, you might be experiencing this. But as long as you keep chopping wood, keep knocking on that door, this will happen. Yeah. And everybody was excited for me. And I just put something in the area of I never passed a state standardized test in my life. But I came home every single day knowing that. Because if you don't pass it, you get fired. That's that's the, wow. that's the what you commit to Orange County if they put you through fire school and you make it. That you got to become a paramedic in three years. Yeah. I had my girls on the line. I had my girl on the line. I had my family on the line. I'm like, look, I can't let them down. But what made it easy is like, I've been here before, yeah. you know? I'm like, I've been here before. It's nothing. It's nothing Familiar to get feeling. it done. Yeah. I might have to try a couple of times, but at some point I'm going to get it. Yeah. And that's what I try to explain to kids. Like, it might not happen the first time. It might not happen the fifth time. It might not happen, you know, 10 years from now. But at some point, yeah. you keep knocking on that door, it's going to break down mm-hmm. at some point in and that's what I failed to realize that Mama McEwen put into me. And that's that's what these kids fail to realize now. And I get it. If you don't know that it's going to happen five years from now, I guarantee you somebody was to tell me, Steve, will just keep chopping wood. When you turn 25, everything going to get better. All right, perfect. I know. Yeah. But it's the unknown that we don't oh, know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because you can work hard and not, and it not work out yeah. for you. Yeah. But I would rather work hard and said I put everything that I put into it rather than sit on my behind and not do it right. and then complain and it doesn't happen it's not going to happen if you don't do it right so you might as well keep chopping wood and make it happen mm-hmm. and i'm like i always tell people don't cry to give up cry to keep fighting you might as well get a reward for it now you right. already there yeah like working out and stuff i'm like it already hurt you might as well get a reward for it <laughs> yeah don't give <laughs> yeah. up you so yeah. That's what I kind of wow. preach, but it was awesome so for a kid that could never really pass an fcat until it mattered and Mm -hmm. then to move forward now passing this test to be Mm -hmm. a paramedic and then also we haven't mentioned that you just bought your first home Mm -hmm. congratulations on that what what's that feeling like for you oh man so like it's it's emotional yeah it's very emotional i sent the picture to my girl the videos that i had in 2015 yeah i sent it to mama Mm and the after the podcast, I could definitely show you as well just what I was living, what I was going home to every single day from seven years old to even graduating college. And then to go somewhere and buy a home that's 2,000 square feet, you know, it's my home, my kids' home, my girl home, and seeing them run around and have fun, play high and go seat and not have a care in the world that's amazing that's what you live life for i can't experience that my daughter won't never experience what i've been through but that's right. the point of yeah. of doing that and it's just it's just amazing and i look at those pictures and i'm like these people have no idea this is just not a home that i'm going into mm-hmm. this is a generational thing that i overcame this is just not yes yeah, a home and it's nice but it's more to that oh, yeah. you know and my girls they always saying we got a new house. We got a new house and stuff. And even yesterday, taking them outside to where they can ride their bikes and just hang out and kick my feet up. And I don't have to look sideways like, where are they? And, oh, they're in a rough area. I got to be careful. Man, that, it just was relaxing. It's peace. 
Yeah. And um, then all the neighbors, hey, how you doing? How you doing? You know, mm-hmm. welcome to the community. And mm-hmm. everybody got the same thing that I have that I don't have to worry about. Yeah. You know, anybody breaking in my home because the next person got the same thing that I have. Yeah. It was it was amazing. Wow. And you have a lot of people that are proud of you. Your girl sitting in the studio mm-hmm. right now and I can, I'm glance over and she's very proud. You can mm-hmm. tell like um, and then Mama Q in and I mean me as well. Um, and your story is just literally like laced with just so much just mm-hmm. like grace and how awesome it is that you came from one thing and you are at a next mm-hmm. and you're you're now pouring back into people right. to show them they can do that as well. Yeah, and so um, is there anything else that you want to add to his story, Kat, that you feel like he maybe left out or something? Does she? Um, Man, Mama Q is still my guy. To this day, yeah. I text her out the blue. Uh, how do you do this? How do you do <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah, she was telling I'm me. I'm talking about that's my. That's She'd my, rather call you. would rather call you her know, than Google every, anything. I was just right, about to say yeah. that everybody have Google and YouTube. That's my YouTube. Yeah. That's my Google. Yeah. I, I'm like, how do you do this? How do you do that? And she's like, do 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 do. Because you gotta, you can't fight this battle of life on your own, man. Yeah, you gotta community. have people in your corner. Yeah. That if they've been there before, why not use them? You never been there, you know. Yeah. I, I use the analogy that. She been my age already. I never been hers, so why not use the wisdom? Yeah, you know? that's good. And I don't have it all figured out, but I'm gonna go find out somebody who knows because I know I didn't do this on my own. It's a tremendous amount of people that got me to where I am. Male mm-hmm. figure for sure. I call them fillers. Mm-hmm. You know, Boris Jackson, a big filler in my life as a male role model. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, unconsciously I'm following the steps that he does. Yeah. You know, he's a big community role model everybody look up to him he come out of um the uh, lake man area which is the inner city area everything mm-hmm. he went to jones high school and now he's pouring into to um inner city kids and that's something that i'm doing unconsciously these stu- these right these characteristics about people go on to you it's yeah. all environmental that's you got people that understand environment and environment shapes who you are how you think how you mm-hmm. move mm-hmm. and definitely your home and I got these good fillers in my life that I can just go to about anything. If I need a male perspective, I call Boy Jazz. If I need a female perspective, I call Mama McEwen. You know, and it, yeah. these these are awesome people that I have in my life that I can wow, that and I then, can call and, at any time. And now you're, you know, kind of you're stepping up in the role. You, you're a father yourself, and so you're breaking that cycle mm-hmm. of, you know, well, obviously you always need fillers, even if you have parents Absolutely. at home. It's right. like community, but it's really um, amazing that you're able to now use what you've learned from them and pour into your own kids. Right. Not only the kids around you in inner cities, but your babies, right. your own mm-hmm. kids, and providing a better life for them. So um, before we get to the end of the show with our write it down, because I want you definitely to share something to write down, I have a couple fun questions I want to okay. ask you, just some rapid fire. What is a movie you could watch for 24 hours straight and not get tired of? A movie? Your girl is like raising an uh, eyebrow right now. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm really not a big TV guy, but okay. a movie, I like the movie Waist Deep. I've never seen it. A Waist Deep with Tyree and Mary, uh, Tyrese and... Um, Making good. That was a good movie. So you could watch, watch that, that maybe twenty four hours. Yeah, I could watch that. Okay. That's a good movie. Speaking of movies, if there was a movie done on your life, who would you want to play you? My nephew. Your God nephew. Cherry, man. That's a, my nephew. I want him to play me. Yeah. He 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 got the same determination as me. We kind of look alike. Um, he plays sports as well. He kind of got that uh, people look up to him mentality. Leader. Yeah. At school that leader. So yeah. Uh, God Cherry, my nephew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, okay, so do you prefer texting or phone calls? Phone calls. Really? Right, texting. <laughs> Let's get straight to the point. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm with <laughs> you. We can have a conversation for 24 hours texting about one subject because it, somebody's not understanding what you're saying Same. or whatever yeah. uh let's just let's get this phone calls tone. out of the way quick five seconds okay gotcha get it on. done get it done would you rather run or bike five miles oh i don't bike much i run i rather you'd run, run five miles i haven't i never biked before so. yeah i'm not a big biker either but i feel like you go by faster um favorite music artist favorite music artist. <laughs> <laughs> i got a couple of them i have a future i like kodak um uh, i love it i like raw wave um that's that's pretty much that's, it right that's, now. Yeah, that's the playlist okay if you were stuck on a private island for an entire year who is someone you'd bring with you i bring my girl oh she understand me i get on her nerves but she understand me best so, <laughs> she's laughing you know. over there We're all like, oh man <laughs> You're yeah, outnumbered. That's, You're that's, outnumbered. That's my rider right there. We do everything together. So I love that. I yeah. love that. All right. So now we're getting to that point of a write it down podcast um, where we talk about things or sorry, this is the part of the show where you share something with the audience, something that you want them to write down. So what is that for you? It's, it's kind of two things I want them to write down, if you don't mind. Um, uh, like I told you before, life is not about life is about what it what is it when it get inconvenienced you know we all can do things when it's convenient for us i tell my girl that all the time when life is just setting up perfect but what how do you react when it becomes an inconvenience um how do you put in the work when you know life is throwing a lot of things at you and um another one is better is not gonna find you you gotta go find better Mm -hmm. because you can sit on you can sit on your behind all you want not put in the effort but that's it, it doesn't come from now you can have a machine in your house for example a bike machine mm-hmm. you're not going to get better looking at it you got to go find it and going to go find it is actually using that equipment yeah. going through that struggle going through that pain to get the end result and then i tell people it's not about the end result at the end of the day it's about the process who make you who you are so you got to go through that process of finding better mm. in order to receive better you know everybody think that it's just it's just a handout and a lot of people get wrapped up into you know you are lucky or it just happened for you know i was not lucky that's an insult to me Mm -hmm. because i came from a lot i i overcame a lot i overcame Mm -hmm. poverty i overcame my environment i overcame circumstances at jones high school in general that jones high school has problems with from the community and the society you know and um that's that's those Man. are my two write it down write it down yeah. steve o michael and mama Q. And thanks for joining us today on write it down